This is the Eric Francis Show, brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Welcome to the Eric Francis Show. It's Monday. What a game. I'm not talking about the Flames game, although that was that was good news for Flames fans. 5-2 win last night in San Jose, but I'm talking about the football game, the soccer match. I have so many questions stemming from this game, and I kept thinking of the one man who could answer them all, all through the game. I pictured him at the ship and anchor. I, I don't know if that's actually where he was. We'll find out, but I picture him at any number of, you know, watering holes in this city that were absolutely rammed by, by people going through the emotions of that incredible World Cup final yesterday. And I, I thought I need to call Tommy Wielden Jr. He's the uh, coach and general manager of Cavalry FC and a uh, tireless advocate for all things soccer, a man who can answer any question about soccer there is. Uh, we're going to get to him in just a second. At the second half of the show, we have Santa. I thought it was our last show before Christmas, so we're going to have Santa on, a.k.a. Kim Thomas. If you're a Flames season ticket holder, a Hitman season ticket holder, a Wranglers season ticket holder, I could keep going on because he's a season ticket holder for five different organizations in this city. He's seen over 1,700 Flames games live. He travels with the team. He does all sorts of things. He's Calgary's ultimate super fan, Kim Thomas. You know him if you've seen him. Santa down at the Dome. We're going to talk to him in the second half. He's got lots of stories of his time as the ultimate sports fan here in Calgary. But first, we're going to go to the uh, Atlas Pizza guest hotline and talk to Tommy Whelan Jr. How are you, my friend? Eric, thanks for having me on. Yeah, I think the... Uh... Yeah, so even this morning, the adrenaline's still pumping through my veins after watching that uh, masterpiece. Now, is that adrenaline or is that Guinness? There is a difference, <laughs> right? Do you know, it's funny because I, I heard you, you know, talking about where I'd be watching it. It was funny because we did, um, actually, I bought a new sofa this year just at the end of the season. Reason <laughs> being, for my own watch party, I'm one of those where I'm so infatuated with the game is I hate interruptions. So I literally watch the game at home with a cup of tea and a breakfast sandwich, and that was it. But, oh, I mean, I'm glad I did because I just wanted that game to keep going. Yeah, and that's that's one of the many questions I have. You know, we, we, I want to delve into this so much. I mean, the first and the obvious question is, you know, the commentators were saying that it was unequivocally the greatest soccer game ever, ever played. Mm -hmm. Can you even, A, do you agree with that, and B, if it's not, or can you think of anything that was even close I just think that it's one of those where all the stars align to give us the performance we were looking for, where you've got Messi and there's always that debate, right? Is it him or Ronaldo, greatest of all time? You know, is he do, can he do for Argentina what Maradona did in 86? Um, and they're so alike in terms of their profile in players to, you know, Mbappe that's already won it in the last cycle in 2018 with France. Can he win it a second time as a 23-year-old? And for them to just go toe-to-toe, -to -toe, it was, you know, probably the closest we'll have seen is almost like Steph Curry and, and LeBron James when they're playing against each other in the finals and just one big play after another. But um, to put it at that gravity uh, was, was just ridiculous. And, you know, sometimes in life, reality uh, is better than fiction. And I think this is that case. You know, I, I'm not a huge soccer fan at the best of times but I, I love a spectacle okay. and, and me like yeah. many people around the world tuned in and watched it 
yesterday and 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 I was glued to every minute of it. Mm-hmm. And and as a as someone who just loves you know great stories. I, I mean every time I yeah. watch a sporting event all I care about is a great story. I never really cheer for one side or the other. I didn't really have a horse in the in the game yesterday, but I did kind of like the idea of of there being a bit of a passing of the torch with Messi you know, going out on top and then handing it over, handing football over basically to Mbappe. And, and I, and in a lot of ways that was what happened, but to me, it was the perfect game. The goaltending was sublime. The, mm, the, yeah. There were comebacks, the stars, yeah. extra time shootout, um, the passing of the torch, as I said, but also the officiating to me was perfect. Now I heard you say earlier today that there was a bit of controversy as you say <laughs> and and i'm wondering what con- controversy there was because I, I didn't see any yeah do you know what i think what what was talked about and I, i'm only going by you know people within my circle and e- even on a bit of social media was the first penalty felt to be soft and you know for me that's just a topic of discussion because it didn't go to var or anything it was probably a surprise for this generation of spectacles where it doesn't go to var it was just his opinion right it's a penalty called it and for me, it was a penalty, softer. Otherwise, if that happens in the middle of the pitch, it's a trick. So I think that's the only controversy it was because you're correct. For, for this game to have played out the way it did, it would take really good officiating. And sometimes we talk about Mbappe's and Messi's and the stars that, uh, and Martinez making that save in the 120-plus minute. But the officiating was first class the way he was able to manage two heavyweights going blow to blow like that. Yeah, I thought so too. I mean... Yeah. It- the the one thing you also when I say I tune into sporting events and all I want is a good story I also I mean I guess the columnist in me likes controversy and I and I and I yeah. I think it it it, it you know it uh, thickens the plot but I'm glad that the game wasn't marred in any way because soccer can be that way and it's funny every time I say soccer I want to apologize but it, I, you know <laughs> you I, you know you our audience so yeah. you know it, every time there's a penalty kick called. I feel like there's a chance that it's going to mar an otherwise great game because the game could be decided by a bad call, and we've seen that so many times. Yeah, we have, and unfortunately it wasn't. And and I thought, like, the tactics as well. So from a coaching perspective, I watch games, and I'm like, what's he doing now? How are Argentina trying to get their advantage? And, you know, you'd heard about France and perhaps the virus going through. They didn't look like the same team that, say, dominated Morocco or, you know, beat England. Um but Argentina, I think, just got their tactics right. And it was so neat for me to see that, you know, their front three, he brought Di Maria and Scaloni, the coach, deserves a lot of credit because he's gone back-to-back final wins in the Copa America and the World Cup. And he brought Di Maria in, who hadn't been playing for the last few games, out and out left winger, left the right wing open where that's Mbappe's side, you know, for France's left. And he left that wide, wide open to attack and it allowed Messi that freedom to roam. It allowed Alvarez to run him behind. And they just controlled the play. And it was it was not nothing, you know, like you, we'd seen a lot in this World Cup where, you know, Japan's and Morocco's had had this resolute defense. And, you know, credit to them, they played their strengths, but it didn't make for excitement. Here now, we just literally went two Goliaths, one after the other, and both coaches tried to play their hands. So when Di Maria was brought off in the 65th, Deschamps, you know, he brought out his subs and off the bench and I, I think they're more now game changers this five sub rule allows for these multiple changes and we saw that when Coleman's come into Camavinga these guys added a bit of pace a bit of injection you thought that, that had Argentina on the ropes and from Mbappe to score the equalizer right after that penalty that was a joke oh 
Okay, so the, we're talking to Tommy Wheelan Jr. and he's answering all my soccer questions from yesterday. So Di Maria being taken off, to me, he was one of the best players on the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought he was phenomenal. And to take him off, I assume that was strictly because, okay, we've got a 2 nothing lead. Now we need to put someone in who's a little more defensive-minded. Was that, ultimately, was that a bit of a mistake? Well, you, you never know. Context is always key in these moments because, listen, I'm sure I, I, as a coach, I get my critics as well from our own fans that, you know, why is he doing that? Why, why don't you leave that on? And it's always easier to see from the comfort of my couch in the living room. But he brought on a Kuna, right? And, 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 and he brought him on, who is a bit more defensive. He probably thought, right, 2-0 and a final. You know, but I thought it was a bit early. 25 minutes left to go, plus any added time. I thought he was probably just going to manage it. And we saw this with Argentina against the Netherlands, where they actually made their changes at 2-0. And the Netherlands came back at them and tied it to 2-2. Argentina regained their legs again and then got going again. Obviously, you know, it took took DKs to, to solve that one. But um, was it a mistake? I don't know. But, but he certainly had a plan B that he brought on his. And when he went 3-2 up, it was, it was exceptional. So it was great to see both coaches playing this poker game right in front of us. It, it really was amazing. A chess match at the highest level. Mm-hmm. Now, another question I had, when, I, when the guys are gathering before a shootout, what, what, do you, what do you as a head coach talk to the guys about before a shootout? Well, we had um, a shootout against the Whitecaps this year, and we'd, you know, we were one up. They, they tied late, and we had a, a shootout philosophy. And ours, you, you just got to have a strategy. You've got to be clear with your takers. You know, you can practice as much as you want, but nothing, it's like, you know, when you go to the putting green before you tee off, nothing <laughs> prepares you. If you're, yeah, you know, if you're playing a match play with your mate, that kind of little bit of brain waves, a little bit of butterflies, can you imagine that feeling and, and for Mbappe and Messi to set the tone? But for us, we had a strategy. We were going, you know, right foot, left foot, right foot, left foot. The guys knew where they were going, weren't going to change it. And it just comes down to execution. And that's what Harry Kane had said, you know, after missing his second one against France, where he was playing against his teammate. You always prepare for your first one, not necessarily your second one. And I think Mbappe, with his second one, he's just gone, I'm going to put it the same place. I'm going to put it a bit of pace. And then he did it the same in the shootout. So you've got to have a strategy, but it all comes down to the execution. And let's add in, there's mind games. So I don't know if you caught it, though. Martinez, the Argentinian keeper, before Tuchemeni took his, Martinez picked the ball up from the spot bounced it around, walked back to his goal line, Tuchemeni stood at the penalty spot, and then Martinez rolls it outside the box to the other way. Now that is mind games 101 because he's mm-hmm. now just disrupted his preparations and his rhythm and he ended up missing. It, it, it's obvious, you know, I, I, I did play soccer for most of my life as a, as a youngster, and I the, the mind games are immense when it comes to a penalty shot, whether you're a goalie or you're a forward. It's, but, but I... I'm fascinated to wonder, I'm wondering, are there analytics out there in soccer in general? I'm, I'm not a huge fan of analytics at all, but I'm assuming, like, are these goaltenders at this level familiar with every single kicker and what their tendencies are? Like, is that something that's studied ahead of time in case it comes to this? Yeah, absolutely. The amount of work now that goes into penalty shootouts uh, and even set plays is incredible. It's, uh, it's a lot of strategy. And I remember England goalie last cycle, um, had written down on his water bottle the, the direction of the tendencies of the players. So literally between sets, he would sip his water, he would look <laughs> at who's leaving the halfway line. I'm not kidding you. And he had, you know, which way it was going. 
And then there was another one, I think, in Germany where Germans, I think it was Manuel Neuer, if I'm getting my stats right, had heard the same thing about an alternate goalie. And he literally grabbed his water bottle and threw it into the crowd. Um, so these games go on and it's the games oh. within the games. And if you can find that half a percent, then you're a genius if it works and you're a jester if it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, so, so these goalies know the tendencies of these guys and, mm-hmm. and, and they're going to dive on that side every single time. Or if you're a coach, are there any surprises? I guess I'll throw it that way. So you've got your five guys. I thought it was interesting. You said you go left foot, right foot, mm-hmm. left foot, right foot. But do you know which way each one of them is going to go? Or obviously, I guess they have the freelance, the ability to do yeah. whatever they want. But yeah. you pretty much know what they're going to do, right? Well, you have enough software out there now that you, uh, you've got where the penalties are going. So it just tells you exactly where it is. But you look at what Messi did, or would you gamble that Mbappe is going to go three for three on the same side? But Messi just stood there, stutter-stepped, let the keeper dive and played in. He had the, the balls to, to, to play that card, and that's because he's world-class. But yeah, you have the data points, but like I said, you know, you can go the right way, but if the execution is slightly higher, I don't know, you know, coached and worked now with Nick Ledgewood. Nick Ledgewood would always put it top shelf, and he had a great penalty record because the keepers may not get there, but it takes such accuracy to put it into that top corner each time. Oh, yeah. That's gutsy. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. nerve-wracking time for the coach uh, when he's picking someone like that. It, it, the Harry Kane incident, and I was going to ask you about that. You alluded to it earlier. You know, I don't know how much heat he took back home. I mean, I think people generally just felt bad for the guy because he was in mm-hmm. such a pressure cooker of a situation. But what about that theory that a coach, you know, maybe should have not you've got so many guys at that level at the world-class level they, they probably most of the guys on the team take their kicks for their teams yeah. I, I don't know but a it lot is. of them are very well schooled in penalty kicks you know is there a, in your mind a, a place for for the in england's case maybe have said to harry kane look you've already kicked once it's against your former goaltender let's go with someone else so that we don't have this issue i know hindsight's 2020 but mm-hmm. i just wondered if you know, they obviously yesterday they Mbappe and uh, and Messi kept getting rolled out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I guess that's the way to go, or or would you second guess that? Yeah, I mean, again, if it, if it works, you're a genius. If it doesn't, yeah. you're a jester. It really does come <laughs> down to Eric. It's you know, because imagine this: put it a different way that you know Kane you know, handed the ball to Saka. You know, Saka had a great tournament, takes penalties for Arsenal. If he misses, you know, imagine the pressure on that. And then suddenly everyone's saying, why don't they let Kane? Kane's the penalty take. Why doesn't he take it? So you, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. Now, here's another nuance for you. And I saw this analytics that in the first penalty, there's this thing now where the opposition will try and gather around, put it off like we talked about with Martinez, trying to play those mind games. Mm-hmm. You know, at some stages, we'll kick at the penalty spot and disrupt it. Whereas Jordan Henderson, you know, for Liverpool, would always do this and go and protect Mohamed Salah. He would protect Harry Kane on the first penalty. When that second penalty came around, no Jordan Henderson. So whether that made a difference or not, you, you've seen a lot of the French players being around there that maybe just plays that enough of mind games to 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 lean it in their favour that puts extra pressure, that changes your brain waves at 2 or 3%, and suddenly now he's two feet over the bar than two feet under it. I remember watching uh, one of the women's games and forgive me for not remembering which one it was. I don't know if it was World Cup or Olympics or what it was, but, and Christine Sinclair, 
they had the option to decide who was going to take that penalty kick. And I know Canada ultimately missed it. Take me through that. I mean, is that something you would do? Do you leave it up to the players? Or is this something that's discussed well before the opening kick of any game? You know who's going to take every penalty kick. This was the Alfonso Davies one, if you remember the Belgium game, right? Was, That's right. He's not your your typical one. And John Herdman, I know he's he's so detailed, meticulous for every circumstance going. But I think it came down to that he, you know, Alfonso felt brave enough and as a big player to take it versus, say, a Jonathan David, who, you know, takes it for Lille um, and has previously taken it for Canada. You know, and again, sometimes that decision is in the right way. You can do all you want. It really does come down to execution and when you when you nail it, and, and Harry Kane, I'd have done the same. Like, I'd have, I'd been Gareth Southgate. Harry Kane's taken it again because he's so good with his PKs. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a strange one. Look, you know, Canada women's, you know, Steph LeBay, who I know very, very well, was, is, is the hero, Minister of Defence now, because she was, like Martinez for Argentina, saved Japan's penalties that helped Canada win the Olympic gold medal. So, it, you know, it's, it's the toughest way. I get asked this all the time about... You know, PK is the right way to finish it, but how else other? I know I made a joke on Twitter yesterday about, you know, quick vote, should we do next goal wins like we would have as a kid? Because mm-hmm. this game was so good, you just wanted it to keep playing out. I'm not sure if there is a better solution because these guys have played a ton of games in short days and 30-day window. But uh, yeah, look, we've got stories to tell. And I think this game, Eric, is going to be one that we're going to be telling for years. And it's certainly, certainly going to inspire that next generation of of kids playing the game that, you know, when Canada gets to be one of the co-hosts in 2026, this next cycle is just going to keep exponentially growing bigger. Yeah. Oh, this was great for the game. And uh, it's funny, you know, I watched the uh, the documentary on Netflix before the tournament, the, the four-part uh, documentary on basically the FIFA, you know, and, and, and the shady dealings and uh, the alleged shady dealings. I mean, it's pretty safe to say that FIFA's reputation is – is sullied at best. Uh, I'm assuming you look at it this way and just say, you know what, uh, after four years, eight years, all all these years of FIFA just stealing spotlight for all the wrong reasons, this almost overshadows it and and makes it all good right now, doesn't it? This game. Yeah, I think it comes down to execution, isn't it? You know, like we're saying with PKs, the execution of this event uh, was brilliant because, you know, for all the things that we'd heard, human rights and things, it did sours for the bribes and whatever that we've we've heard these alleged dealings it takes away from the beautiful game which is what it's called and i think when you've got players like messi and mbappe that show us why we call it the beautiful game and i think sometimes we have to remember the game is decided on the pitch not in the boardrooms or in shady dealings it's it's let's the kids be inspired from what lionel messi has done for his country and for the game and what Mbappe will continue to do and what, you know, people like Morocco and Japan that came in under strength that hit up big performances. They're now inspiring these generations. Canada getting to their first World Cup in you know, 32 years. This is, this is what we're witnessing and that's where we should focus our efforts on because the other, we can't control that. Uh, we're talking, of course, to Tommy Wilden Jr. with Cavalry FC. He, he runs the joint, the head coach, the general manager and uh, tireless advocate for the game of soccer here in the city and our country. And uh, I, I still have more questions. I have more questions for you, Tommy. I guess first, first of all, Morocco was probably the second best story of the tournament, or at least it was one of the best stories of the tournament. Give, were there some others that really stand out to you? Yeah, well, I, I think the way Canada approached their game against Belgium, 
they're a goal away, right? The penalty goes in, the the Batshuayi goal doesn't go in. That then we're talking about that, you know, and possibly going forward. Canada was in the group of death. Croatia and Morocco were playing in uh, in the third and fourth place and were semi finalists. So it just shows how strong that was. Um, mm-hmm. I love the Morocco story. Um, I think for the first African team to reach the semi finals. You know, gives that continent hope. I think it's always been a very exciting spectacle, um, and to see their teams, they've got this great rhythm. I love seeing the Japanese and the way their culture is integrated into the way they play, of selflessness, of teamship, um, for discipline, and to go and beat you know Spain and and, and Germany in their group stages, um, is, it was just exceptional. So there was lots of great stories to be had, and I think will inspire different continents and different cultures. Yeah, it is brilliant to watch. I mean, what an incredible spectacle. And even people who claim they don't like soccer, I know that a lot of them had it on in the background constantly, which leads me to my next question. What the hell do you do now? I mean, this dominated your life, I'm sure, for the last month and and, and always in the background, if not the foreground. Uh, There's a bit of a a cooling off period now, I would assume. I mean, what are you going to do now? Yeah, I know. The great thing is for me during the off season now, it's it's allowed me that time to sit down and watch. You know, now as soon as the you know the new year hits, we're in training camp at the end of January, beginning of February. So it serves as great uh, inspiration. So um, yeah, I'm I'm inspired for it. Um, I'm looking forward now to starting our season and and putting our focus back into into there and actually participating and feeling those adrenaline rushes of the late winners and the and the, and the tight games and the tactical pieces. So. I'm looking forward to that camaraderie of the locker room as well. Yeah, amazing. Well, good luck uh, next season. Uh, We'll be out there. I know I bring my family a lot to the games. We really enjoy it. And uh, thanks for your time and your insights. I appreciate it. You've answered all my questions now. Now I know everything about the beautiful game (laughs) that I didn't know before. So thank you. You've just been my opinion. That's it. (laughs) No, it's beautiful. You are the authority in our city. So I thank you. And also thank you for your support of the Pizza Pig Out. You and your your, – many of your players are – very, very supportive. And of course, Bruce Meadows and Ian Allison and all that. Everybody is just such a huge part of us raising uh, over 70 grand this year and in past years. So I thank you, my friend, and we will see you at the next Pizza Pig Out, if not the soccer pitch. Hey, absolutely. Listen, you always do a great job for the right causes, and we're happy to support that. It's all part of this community that we're trying to grow, right? And, and plus, you're adding pizza. Who doesn't like pizza? That's a genius move by you. Great tactic. <laughs> <laughs> you got to serve pizza at the at the at your next game at your games coming up. I can hook you up with a bunch of the pizzerias. Don't no problem. Okay, I'll hold you to that. Thanks, Eric. Okay. All right, thanks, Tommy. Appreciate it. All right, there he is, Tommy Wielden. He's brought uh, brought to us by the Atlas Pizza Guest Hotline. It's brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. Fourteen time Consumer Choice Award winner for takeout or delivery. Call 403-248-3344 or dine in at Atlas Pizza sixty sixty memorial drive northeast okay uh the eric francis show of course brought to you every week at noon every monday brought to you by horse racing alberta and tickets are now on sale for the new year's eve las vegas themed burlesque show there's a dessert buffet and midnight champagne toast included for only 85 dollars. okay we're going to take a break we're going to come back with santa it's an exclusive we've got santa aka kim thomas he'll be on the line at the bottom of the hour here to talk about being Calgary's biggest super fan, a season ticket holder with five different organizations in our city. He dates back to the days of Mawada Stadium, and he's there at every game that you could go to in our city, and people know him, they love him, they pose with him, they ask him questions, and I've got a bunch of them because he also 
has done a million road trips with the Calgary Flames to Russia, to Tokyo. He's been to the Olympics. He's been all over the place, and I want him to tell some stories of some of his exploits on the road and here in Calgary as Calgary's superfan. We'll take a break. You'll be right back with the Eric Francis Show. You're listening to Sports at 960, The Fan. This is the Eric Francis Show, brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. All right, welcome back to the Eric Francis Show. Some great soccer talk with Tommy Wilden Jr. We don't do that a lot here on the Eric Francis Show, uh, but uh, it was perfectly, uh, that was the, uh, the way to go after that game yesterday. I'm still buzzing from it. It really was an amazing spectacle. All right. Uh, a spectacle in itself is our next guest. Uh, they call him Santa for obvious reasons. His name is Kim Thomas. He's been on the Calgary sporting scene forever, dating back to the 50s when he would go to games at Mawada Stadium. You probably see him down at the, at the Dome, whether it's a Wranglers game, a Hitman game, Flames game. Uh, he supports everything in this city, charitable, uh, but also sports-wise. And I've always considered him to be the number one super fan in this city. And I thought, you know what? I want to get him on and talk to him about why. That's my big question. Why, why so dedicated? Why, what, what, what does he get from it? Uh, anyway, let's bring him on the uh, Alice Pizza hot, guest hotline. Santa, you there, my friend? Yes, sir, Eric. I'm here. Listen, I know this is an extremely busy time of year for you, uh, getting ready for your big journey on the 25th. But... Uh, Tell, I'm going to go through your 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 resume of sorts. You're a five-team season ticket holder. Flames, Stamps, Hitmen, Roughnecks, Wranglers. You've been to three Stanley Cup finals, uh, all with the Flames. You've been to a bunch of their games. 22 Grey Cups, 23 Memorial Cups, six World Junior Championships, three in North America, three in Europe. You figure you've been to over 1,700 Calgary Flames games. You've been to Russia with them, Tokyo. Why? I, I'm so fascinated. Your dedication is very admirable. Why? What What is the attraction, my friend? Uh, sports in general. I've I've always I've, I was brought up watching sports, and it just uh, it caught my fancy. I mean, early, in the early years, all we we had the Flames weren't here until 1980. Uh, all we got to see mostly was Toronto or Montreal. My dad was a Habs fan, so I went Toronto, and I was a Toronto <laughs> fan till 1980 when the Flames came, and uh, I've been a supporter ever since, and I just love supporting the local teams. Now, this can't be easy, and I know you've had scheduling conflicts from time to time because you support everything in town. Um, it, it, I guess your life revolves around this, right? I mean, this is so time-consuming for you. And financially, it's also uh, expensive, too, to, to support all these things, especially at the NHL level. Um, I, I'm assuming it gives you the greatest of joy, and, and that justifies all the everything you put into it. Well, no, for sure. I mean, it's, uh, it's, that's my social life, is the, is the sporting events. And by having season ticket holders, it's the... It's the people who who sit around me. They become they become friends. It's uh, you know they're, they're super people, and I'm just uh, I just enjoy supporting the local teams. Doesn't matter whether it's junior, pro, even even young kids. I've gone and watched nieces and nephews play ringette uh, hockey, and I just I just enjoy supporting 
supporting local. Now you uh, right, it is you're right it is expensive that uh, <laughs> that 2004 run where they played 26 games and I went to 21 of them including <laughs> game 7 where Paul Vickers chartered a jet from WestJet for I think that one was 2000 bucks a fan <laughs> and I Amazing. ended up in the last row of the building I remember I texted you 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 were in a temporary temporary uh, press box, and you were lower than me. I texted you, said Eric, look to your right and look up, <laughs> <laughs> and I was I was higher than you were. You were right there. <laughs> but what? Up. But what? Amazing. What an experience! It was uh, absolutely incredible. We left at five o'clock in the in the morning, the day of the game. Got to Tampa. They took us to a a bar restaurant right across from the rink. I could see what was going on here, so I, I shut her down. I, I'm not paying two thousand bucks to not remember a game. <laughs> I, I, I shut her down, and I uh, caught the game. Obviously disappointed that uh, we couldn't get that that tie and goal, and it was all so close. And uh, just uh, actually almost missed the flight home. Uh, there was a fellow that's a good good friend of a lot of the players. He kind of took me under his wing and down to the down to the meet and greet area and uh, got to see a lot of the players. It was obviously disappointing for me, but uh, more so for the players. It was uh, they're all great and said hello and thanks for coming and yeah, no, quite a deal. And then on the plane back home by five o'clock the next morning, so twenty four hours, two thousand dollars, but uh, wouldn't have missed it. Yeah. Yeah, I would assume that that would have been uh, one of the most memorable ones. But, you know, you've been – I would ask you what the highlight's been, but I'm assuming that's 89 uh, when they won the Stanley Cup. But but you've also seen a bunch of Grey Cups, you know, where the Stamps won, and you were there live in various stadiums. What what are some of the biggest highlights that you've you've, you've seen? Oh, for sure, the, the, the Grey Cups were the – where the Stampeders have won, but even even the Great Cups where they where they where they lost. I mean, the one in the win, the first one in Winnipeg, that brutally cold day when uh, what's his what's his name Ishmael ran that ran that punter kickback for a touchdown and mm-hmm. somebody launched a, beer, a frozen beer at him. I think that was one of the best Great Cups I've been to. It's just it was kind of one of the first times that they they'd gone away from. Toronto, Montreal, BC, and the way the, the Winnipeg people just took on the, the atmosphere of the Grey Cup. Every plane that was that landed was met by a by a high school band or things like that, and signage all over the city. That when you're in the big cities and they had it so many times, you, you lose you lose that. It, it's, it, it just wasn't the same atmosphere. But that, that was a highlight. And like I say, any anyone that the Stampeders won, Montreal weren't expected to win. They won that one. Uh, what was it? BC when that poor fella had that had that uh, holding penalty that uh, negated a, a touchdown for Hamilton that would have given them the game was another another great great day for the Stampeders. So. It's, yeah, lots of lots of experiences over the years, and uh, you know, even even going to the Olympics in '98 uh, in Nagano, I'd uh, 
I'd met a bunch of the women's Olympic team down at uh, a watering hole you're familiar with, uh, Dusty's. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I met them after uh, after uh, an exhibition game between Canada and, and the U.S. And I, I knew at that time that I was going to the Olympics, and I said, what what would happen if I showed up in Tokyo or in the Gano? They'd we'll take you out. Okay. Amazing. Hold you to it. <laughs> so I get to Tokyo, I get to Nagano, and my first game is the is the gold medal game between Canada and Russia. And as it turns out, my seats were three rows behind the Team Canada bench. Oh wow! So I'm sit, sitting there for a warm up, and the players are skating by, and I'll, they recognize what's what's going on that I'm actually there, and they uh, tap their sticks type of deal, and then. Uh, at the Olympics, they have their that Canada House, mm-hmm. and they would hold celebrations for the medal winners. Well, a couple of nights later was when they celebrated the Canadian women's, obviously a disappointing silver medal. But uh, I got to meet meet all of them again there, and a bunch of the men's men's team and the, the officials with them, and uh, they were true to their word. They uh, come on, Santa, we're going karaoke. <laughs> oh, you karaoke with the women's team. Good. <laughs> karaoke with the women's team went, and I'd had a few Sapporos or Tiran or whatever I was drinking that night, and uh, <laughs> I accidentally left my Team Canada sweatshirt at the bar, and they uh, they brought it back, packaged it up, and left a little note thanking me for my for my support, and uh, hope to see you again. Amazing, amazing. How how are you uh, generally received in different cities? You know, you're always wearing your flame, Flames gear, or what? You know, if it's Stampeders, you're wearing their gear, uh, and and obviously you're a friendly type. You, everyone loves Santa in the world, but but I know your friend Dave Gorsline, my friend too, said there there have been times where uh, he told me about a story at the Mets game where you were heckled by a five year old. <laughs> Tell me, tell me about that because I, I, I guess sometimes it's not always being received with open arms. <laughs> no, yeah, no, that was uh, that was quite a funny story. That was uh, that was his, it was quite a trip because it was shortly after uh, after the nine eleven tragedy, and it was the first weekend that they had started sports back up again. So we went to uh, two Yankees games, and had it not been for nine eleven. Those two games would have been Cal Ripken's last games as a as a major league player. Oh wow! Then we went to uh, a Giants Giants game on the, on the Sunday. When we came back from that game, we went to uh, the Bruins and the Rangers were playing an exhibition game, so we went to Madison Square Gardens for that. And then on Monday we saw the uh, Jets and the 49ers when Jeff Garcia was playing there. Oh, great! And then we went. Then we went to the Mets game on, on the next night on a Tuesday, <laughs> and this little little kid was there, and he he looks over at us, and "Where are you from?" I says, "The North Pole." <laughs> you ain't Santa. You're too fat to be Santa. <laughs> You've been drinking since the first inning. <laughs> There's no way you're Santa. You know, with the the deep. Bronx accent. It was just, yeah. it was hilarious. And then that is Bubba, good. Dave, Dave Gorsline, he, he goes to the, he goes to the can and this 
little kid, he le- leans over to me and he goes, where's your hillbilly buddy? <laughs> so that was our, that was our five-year-old heckler. Quite, uh, oh. quite, quite the experience. But for the most part, it's, I, I've never had a problem with fans. It's, uh, I, I try and be, I'm fair with everybody and, uh, it's it's not a problem. I have run into a couple of incidents. Uh, Didn't you get peed on? Tell me that story. You got <laughs> peed on by somebody in one of the buildings. Yeah, that was in. Uh, it was a road trip to uh, <laughs> L.A. at the. Uh, this is pre Staples days. It was at the uh, Fabulous Forum, mm-hmm. and uh, believe me, it ain't fabulous. I don't know who coined that <laughs> phrase, but they're they're right out to lunch. It's a it's a dump. Yeah, <laughs> but I was, was in the in the washroom in the inter, intermission, and there was a big lineup. It's just troughs in there. There's no urinals, and all of a sudden I hear the guy behind me. Let's, well, not with not his exact words, but let's let's pee and put out the flame. And I thought, oh. you know, he's, nothing's going to happen here. It's it's okay. And then all of a sudden, the back of my the back of my pant leg was. Uh, all of a sudden, it was wet. <laughs> Come on! So he actually uh, unzipped and uh, relieved himself. And no way! Man, you're kind of in a you're in a no win situation. You you're probably the only guy in the washroom with a Flames jersey, and yeah, everybody else has got Kings jerseys, and they don't they haven't seen what what happened. So you yeah throw you throw something, you throw a swing, and you're not going to come out on the good end. So waited, <laughs> did my business, and. Went back to my seat and never went back there. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Yeah, I think you assessed and, the situation well. <laughs> oh, <laughs> then I had another one in uh, in Chicago at the uh, the old arena, the Ch- Chicago Stadium. Mm-hmm. And that that itself is an experience beyond all others. It's when they, like they talk about the national anthem in the, in the new building. And mm-hmm. I've, I've been to both. And it's, it's, there's no comparison between the first building and the second building. The, the, the original building, you literally cannot hear the words of the national anthem. Your 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 hairs stand on end. It is it is incredible. Mm-hmm. But I've been to been to a few games there. Flames playoff games, and one guy must have figured I was I should probably consider losing some weight because uh, somebody launched half a hot dog at me. I would have thought I'd be worth at least a full hot dog. <laughs> They're expensive. <laughs> some other, some other guy tried to uh, tried to lift my jersey off me. He ended up getting my hat. But <laughs> oh, there's another guy. There's a guy out in front of the out in front of the building. He made his own T-shirts, and it was it was F Calgary with a hockey player. <laughs> oh no. Selling them for five bucks. <laughs> oh my god! So I I picked one up and brought it home to, to be able to show people. So it was uh, it, it was quite quite interesting. But that's uh, that's the only two places I've really had any any real kind of problems. Every other place has been has been fine. And a lot of times I'm I'm traveling on my own. I'll take uh, I'll take a hat or a, or a Harvey the Hound and. And I'll find a I'll find a little kid, and I'll I'll give it to them. And it's I mean for the most part, 
as a single single ticket, you can find single tickets, and you're down amongst season ticket holders. Yeah, but I did go. I did yeah. go once to uh, once to LA on a on a, on a fan on a fan trip, and we were we were way up high, and the flames just got smoked. It was like eleven to two, and it's the only game that I've ever left early because I was actually afraid that we were going to get hurt. Oh wow! The fans around us were were that that bad. I mean, you, you're pounding the hell out of our team already. We're, there's no need to go after us as well. Yeah. So we left, got on a little bus that they had, shuttle bus from the hotel. Fans rocked the bus because we were wearing Flames jerseys. Whoa. <laughs> it's a little over the it's, top. It's, oh, yeah, a little over the top is right. And that's not an area you walk around in the, the fabulous forum in Inglewood. It's, no, no, it, no. It's no, not, it's it's not good. It's not good. Did, Tell me about, uh, you know, over the years you've become friends with some of the players, certainly with the hitman, Jared Allen comes to mind, and and also people like Craig Conroy. You kind of befriended him or he befriended you a long time ago. And, uh, you know, I think everybody loves Craig Conroy just like everybody loves Santa. T- tell me about your interactions with Craig over the years. Yeah, it was funny the way the Craig Conroy thing came to be. Uh, they had their uh, hockey fights cancer uh, during that period. And I had I had won the bid for uh, it was actually the prize was a lunch with Corey Stillman, <laughs> who happened to be traded for Craig Conroy. <laughs> so he, so he stepped in as the as go for dinner with with Craig, Craig Conroy, and he was actually I was one of the first fans that he met when he got to Calgary. So I, 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 I asked the cancer people if they could find two families, a, a, a parent and a, and a child that would, uh, that would be interested in going to this. You got to go to a practice uh, morning skate with the flames and then offered off for lunch with, uh, as it turned out, Craig Conroy. So they, they agreed. And I said, just all I asked is you let me tag along. And I got to go. So the package didn't include tickets to the game, so I thought, "Oh man, if they're going to the, if they're going to the skate. Let's let's get them some tickets." So I uh, I gave them my tickets, and I I didn't I asked Craig if he would give him the tickets. He said, "No, no, this is this is yours. You're not. I'm not taking credit for you giving your tickets. You you go ahead. You uh, you give them to him." We went from there, and I gave him the tickets, and the two the two families got to go, and it just kind of kind of an instant instant friendship with with Craig, and I've run into him several times since then. Uh, when he went to L.A., when the Flames couldn't come to an agreement or however that worked, I was at a, at a playoff game in Anaheim, and I'm walking around the concourse in the first intermission. And all of a sudden, somebody reaches out, grabs my arm, and pulls me against the wall. Come on! <laughs> it was Connie. <laughs> oh, that's amazing! That's and good. he's like, he's like, what's going on out there? We got to do this. We got to do that. It was, it was. If man, he's, he's a flame. He's, he's not a king. Yeah, he, he's destined to come back. And he's, man, I've seen him at, at several, several world championships, world junior championships, and I. 
I see him at the dome all the time. My my Wrangler seats are just in front of the uh, in front of the owners box, and he's there. He's there pretty much every game, so he waves and chit chats. And I know it's uh, it's been quite the, quite the experience and kind of odd the way it worked that he got traded here, and the package that I had won was for Corey Stillman, and ended up being Craig Conroy. Yeah, you got you 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 did better with uh, Conroy because of what a personality, <laughs> and, and of course he'll never forget that either because uh, that's just the kind of guy he is. Uh, we're yeah, talking to Kim yeah. Kim Thomas, also known as Santa. You you helped create the junior hockey junkies too, and 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 you love the Memorial Cup as much as any event that you go to every year, and you cut you almost never miss it. You you claim the one in uh, Halifax was the best one you've ever been to out of twenty three Memorial Cups. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I kind of had a little different slant on that one. There was uh, that year they had a uh, a contest for CHL Fan of the Year, and I was I was selected from Calgary to be the representative at the Memorial Cup. And I was going anyhow, but it, it included uh, a reception, a three three to four hour reception with. Bobby Orr who was one of the judges and it was just there was wow. six people in the contest and it was just those six people and their whoever was with them at as as part of the prize uh reception like I say three to four hours little dinner and and then just chat around with Bobby Orr and he brought his a stack of his famous picture of him flying through the air and he just sat down with each of the each of the contestants, and who would you like it to? And you give him a list, and he would he would personalize all the all the cards. And we finished it off with uh, Bobby. They call me Santa. Would you sit on my knee? <laughs> <laughs> and and he did. Oh, that's amazing. So I've, I've got a picture of Bobby Orr sitting on Santa's knee. So it was. Uh, Quite a highlight, and they—they they would. I would see him for probably the next four or five Memorial Cups, and every time he would—he would see me. He would be, "Ho ho, how's it going?" So, oh, that's great. That was—that uh, was pretty neat. So. That is pretty cool. And and Kenny King, you know, as as someone who's, <laughs> you know, I would submit that your people like you are the lifeblood of of all these organizations. Without the fans, obviously, we know what would happen. You'd have an SOS campaign and. By the way, when there was an SOS campaign, I know for a fact that you bought two extra tickets and donated them to charity. Uh, I'm sure you wouldn't have told that story, but I want to tell it because that's the kind of guy you are. And uh, yeah, but, I, uh, I donated I donated those to uh, Ronald McDonald House for for three years, and then I unfortunately got caught up in the in the Nortel schmozzle and got laid off and finances changed a little so i had to i had to stop that but i still every time i've got uh extra tickets i i look to donate them towards ronald mcdonald house to help those people kind of ease some of the stress that that they're going through oh bless you bless you and you know ken king ken <laughs> king has re- referred to you as the the dumbest scalper in the world tell me that story <laughs> well i've always i mean i I should only have one one seat, but I I like for my friends to be able to friends and family to be able to go to games at, at a reasonable a reasonable price in a 
and a decent seat. So I've, I mean, I've had upwards of nine, nine season tickets at a time. And I, I sell at the price that I pay. I don't, I don't scalp them. I think that people should be able to go to the games and, and, and not have to pay exorbitant amounts of money to, to go, to go see it. Especially, especially if you're taking kids. Yeah. That's it's an experience, you know, it's, you get down lower and and see the games. But yeah, no, you're Ken King and Roly Sear, Mike Moore and Kelly Kissio took me out for took me out for lunch one day, and we were talking and about all the tickets I had and what I do with them and what happens when you can't go. And I told him what I did, and Ken looks over at me and goes, "Bless your heart, but you are the." St- stupidest scalper in the world <laughs> <laughs> I said, yeah, 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 I am. And, yeah. and then he then he got up and he said but uh saying that here's a, here's a token of our appreciation for all your support and they gave me a a one of jacket that's got uh got all the all the team logos on the back and it's got uh Santa on the front and my, my years of dedication as a season ticket holder. So it was uh, nice. quite a nice touch. Quite a that nice is, touch. That is a nice touch. Well, listen, my friend, I, I've had the pleasure of seeing you at sporting events for almost 30 years now, and uh, I admire your dedication. I admire your generosity, and you're always at the Pizza Pig Out. You're always at Charity Hot Stoves we put on. You're always supporting kids in this community as well as these, these teams that you cheer for and you're, you're a great sports fan. And I wanted to, you know, just talk to you about that and uh, let people know what a great man you are. So I really appreciate uh, all you've done for our community, but also just, uh, I appreciate you. You're, you're a great man. And I thank you for joining us today or joining me today on, on the show, because uh, yours is a story that needs to be told. Well, thanks very much. I mean, there's, there's lots of other stories, but some of them aren't, uh, <laughs> Aren't for kids. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want this to be the last show, although some people will, I'm sure. But uh, this would be the last show if you told some of the stories that I know you've been, uh, uh, you're able to tell. Right, but listen, uh, have, thanks for having have, me, Eric, and uh, Merry Christmas to you and all your all your fans and your family. And we'll see you at the rink. Merry Christmas, Santa. It was great talking to you, my friend. We'll see you down at the rink uh, real soon here. All right, thanks, Eric. All right, there he is, Kim Thomas, Santa. You've seen him at the rink. Go say hi. Thank him for all he does for uh, for this community because that's that's what he deserves. He's a great man. Uh, all right, that's another edition of the Eric Francis Show. We thank Tommy Wielden Jr. as well for answering all our soccer questions, and uh, thanks Santa for well being Santa. He's a busy guy at this time of year, and I thought it was appropriate that we'd have him on just before Christmas when he goes on his big trip. Uh, the Eric Francis Show. It's brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta. 12 Days of Christmas at Century Downs is still going on daily, December 12th, right up until the 23rd so to win a share of $12,000. We're going to do it all again uh, every Monday as we move forward. We're not going to do it next Monday. I think that's uh, that's a day off for everybody. We'll do it uh, on the 27th. That's the day the Flames play the Edmonton Oilers. There'll be lots to talk about to set up that game, and we'll do it every Monday thereafter. All right. Merry Christmas, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Eric Francis Show. Uh, and have a happy holiday.